Last time we talked, the Vikings had made their first round selection but hadn't completed the draft. Now we have all the picks in. Uh, we have, have a very busy weekend. We saw some Gopher stars go to other teams. A lot of movement around the NFL with quarterback signings. We have a lot more to talk about today here on the Viking Update Show. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune and TalkNorth.com. John Krasinski is from The Athletic, also host the John Krasinski show at talknorth.com, which is our Timberwolves and NBA show. I highly recommend checking that one out as well. Here at the Viking Update show, Brandon Morton is our producer, of course. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks to Aquarius. Thanks to TSR Injury Law. And thank you to Star Bank. So I thought that the draft itself was fairly interesting, John. Uh, but there is a dead horse we have to continue to beat. And that is that they did not, this offseason, they did not sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal. Uh, our information is they really wanted Anthony Richardson if they could have found any way to get him or if he had fallen far enough in the draft for them to be able to trade up to get him. And they drafted a quarterback late who projects to be a backup, but you know he will provide the usual backup quarterback intrigue if he's any good at all. Where do you? What do you think they're thinking about the quarterback position at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that... Uh, I'm kind of somewhat encouraged, I guess, by their process this way in terms of they, I do believe, are in the market for a long-term solution at the position beyond the next couple of years. Like they, I think they know that that has to be addressed one way or the other, whether that is eventually signing Kirk Cousins again or going out and get a young, getting a younger player. Um, if we grant that the reporting of their desires for Anthony Richards is accurate. And I believe that it is. It's, I think we've heard the same thing about them being very uh, open to the idea of trading up to get Richardson. They obviously couldn't do it. What that tells me is that they went into this draft with a clear idea that, Hey, if we can get the guy we really like that we really think has the potential to be a star and to be a great fit in what we want to do, we'll go up and we'll go and, and get him. But we also aren't going to force something if we don't believe in it. And so that's why, um, you know, them not getting Richardson, but also not taking a Will Levis or someone like that, which they had an opportunity to do, uh, is, I think, encouraging. They're not just forcing it just to get a quarterback in that they don't necessarily believe in now they may end up being wrong maybe richardson is the bust maybe levis is the next great thing um but it it, it is it, it's clear to me that quasi adolfo mensa that kevin o'connell they have they identify a type uh and, and a quarterback and the a traits in a quarterback that they really want and so that's going to be the thing when they see that that is going to propel them to go try and get a quarterback um and if they don't have those traits uh, then they're not going to do it because the, one of the worst things you can do, Jim, is grab a, a quarterback just for the sake of grabbing one, i.e. Christian Ponder, and then you're wasting like three years because you have to give him a full chance to 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 run the offense, to to assimilate, to to get up to speed, and uh, before you cut bait, and then you could you could really set yourself back. And so I don't, you know, I I I think that they they would have loved to have addressed the long-term quarterback part portion of their need list uh, in this draft. But 
when the opportunity was not there for them, they didn't force it. And so I think that's okay. Yeah, I thought Levis was the greatest red flag in the entire draft. I, I think he said a lot of weird things in his interviews. Uh, he's really cocky. He had some horrible games his last year against bad defenses. Uh, he's To me, he's, he's the guy. He, he's the most likely bust, and I think the Vikings evaluated him properly. And I, I really feel like the Titans did what the Vikings did with Ponder and say, we really need a quarterback. Let's fall in love with this guy, whether he deserves it or not. Uh, and I really, you know, our information is that they, the Vikings loved Richardson. They didn't like Levis at all. They thought Hendon Hooker was very limited. And so they didn't, they didn't draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback, which is always the first thing you have to do. I also think that they look at it and say, we like Kirk Cousins. It's not that they hate Cousins and are looking for a way to get rid of him. They like Kirk Cousins. They think they win games with them. They also think there's a certain ceiling on him. And to give him the big, you know, long-term, you're our guy for as long in, in the future as we can possibly see, to, for them to give him that contract, they have to see a little bit more. I think they also think that Kirk Cousins thinks that he should get the 40, 45, $50 million deal a year deal that some other quarterbacks have gotten. And I think they want him to have the experience of realizing that the market probably isn't there for him as much as he thinks it is. Yeah. And, and look, I don't blame Kirk because he's played the right. market as well as any player that's ever played the game. And, and so um, I, I do think that it, here's the thing with, with this market and with Kirk cousins contract situation right now is if the Vikings are going to break the bank and pay him all of that money, they don't have to do it right now. Right. And so um, I, I think very similar to what the Giants did with Daniel Jones. And they basically said to him, hey, um, prove it last year. They said that going into last year, prove it to us and you will get your money. Um, and so, you know, you could argue if Daniel Jones really did prove it to the Giants or not. Um, you know, he had the one playoff win here and all that stuff. I still am a little bit sort of skeptical about Daniel Jones over the long haul. But, hey, he played well. He got the Giants into the playoffs when no one expected them to, and they won a game. So so in that way, uh, he did demonstrate a lot of the qualities that they wanted to see. And then they paid him uh, this summer. So I think, like, they the Vikings can go into this uh, this next season and they can say, "Hey, Kirk, the, the the season you had last year, great. We really really liked it. We were really impressed. You you did a good job running the offense. You worked great with Kevin O'Connell. Um, you 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 addressed a lot of the leadership issues, of the intangible issues, the it, it, stuff that we wanted to see you address. And and you did it all. Now now do it again." Like now let's see you back that up with another really good year. And if that happens and they, the Vikings have no other options at quarterback, I think that you could, I could see them paying him a lot of money um, because like you said, they, they like Kirk cousins. He has been very productive for them. It's not a case of them absolutely needing to address quarterback. They are not desperate for a quarterback right now. They have a good one in place. It's just, do they have the guy for the next five to seven years or longer? And I, I don't think they, that they can say yes to that right now, but if they come, if they come out next season 
and win double digit games again. And Kirk Cousins plays very well again. Um, sure. Yeah. You can definitely, definitely look at giving him another two to three year deal for big, big money. And because he will have earned it. And, um, and I think that's the way they're doing it, but they don't have to commit to that right now. And so they're not going to do that. Yep, exactly. Uh, I also want to give Kwesi Adolfo Mensa credit for the night of the first round pick was made saying, I'm going to the sauna. I just, I just love it. It's like, he didn't play the, you know, uh, you know, we're going to be here all night and we got the day beds pulled out. We're going to sleep on cots and that'll help our thinking process because it will be really groggy. And, and, uh, tomorrow we're gonna drink a lot of whiskey. I mean, it was none of the classic, uh, you know, mass hyper masculine, hyper work ethic. We're going to work hard, even if it doesn't help us attitude. It was like, you know, they've been doing this stuff for months. They already have their draft board set. Why pretend you're going to sleep overnight in the office when you can go home, have a sauna, come back the next day and you're, you're going to do just as good a job if not better. Yeah. I mean, he's look, he, he has stayed true to his brand, which is he's doing things differently. Right. Like, um, and, and I do think that, especially when you come into a position like this in a league like this, if your style is, I am different. I do do look at things a different way. Um, we do go about things a different way here. You have to stay true to that. And certainly Kwesi has stayed true to that, uh, that characteristic, that quality, however you want to term it. And, um, and he's not changing for someone else. Uh, he's not going to be performative about it. And so uh, you, you definitely get the sense that he has a very strong sense of self. He believes in his methods. He knows that. I think he actively knows that there are people around the league and maybe even people in the front in, in the Winter Park building, not Winter Park, in the Egan building that that maybe look at this and say, man, this is really different than what we've done in the past. Like, is this going to work? Uh, but he embraces it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm all for anybody who doesn't have to make a show of how hard they work. Like that's, that's a big thing for me. It's like, that's the kind of insecurity that can kind of show through in this league sometimes and just working for work's sake. And so believe in what you've done, believe in your preparation and come back refreshed. And, and then maybe people won't want to kill each other at the end of, uh, of a, what is already a long weekend. Derek Falvey, the Twins uh, president of bas baseball operations, knew Quezzy back in the day, and he said that uh, they both share one piece of philosophy, which is if you do the same things everybody else does, how do you get ahead of them? You mm -hmm. know, and that is, and, and listen, you got to do it well. You have to prove yourself that doesn't, you know, and, and there are people who will try to do things differently who will fail miserably and be ridiculed for it. But, I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the the idea that you're trying to you're trying to find a better way without going too crazy. I mean, it's not, you know, that's the thing. And, and we can get into that's the next subject here. This was a very last year's draft felt very unconventional. Uh, trading within the division, trading down, letting a division opponent have a really talented player. Uh, it felt it felt like per, that almost felt performative. Like, hey, I'm going to show you how different I am. This, frankly, was a pretty conventional draft. Let's get into the picks here. Uh, when, once again, we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios, and we want you to know more about Aquarius Home Services. 
It's back. The Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut Customer Appreciation and Open House event is happening Friday, May 5th through Sunday, May 7th. Connecticut water treatment systems up to 30% off. Salt and water filters, 20% off. New heating and cooling systems up to 25% off. And bring in your water sample for a free water analysis. It's the Aquarius Connecticut Open House event, May 5th through 7th in Little Canada at 694 and 35E. Details at AquariusHomeServices.com. Thanks also to longtime sponsor, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. If you are injured, call that number. They will help you. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. Uh, if they can't help you in any way, they will send you in the right direction. They're good people. They want people to be taken care of. They do the taking care of themselves, 612-TSR-TIME. And thanks also to Star Bank. Uh, Big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app, check. Convenient services, you got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. All right, so let's get to the picks. Uh, obviously, we've already talked about Jordan Addison. You know, somewhat of an unpredictable pick in that they picked a fourth receiver in a row that went in the draft. Uh, they could have gone defense. Defense is the main problem they have to solve. But we've, we've talked about him. It, this is a Kevin O'Connell pick. He feels like he rounds out the offense nicely. Uh, it scares me a little bit that he's my size, but I think he's a little faster than me. That should probably <laughs> play well. Uh, then you go all the way. You know, they didn't have a second-round pick. So third round, fourth round, they take Mecky Blackman, USC cornerback, Fourth round, they take safety Jay Ward from LSU. And, you know, the conventional wisdom here sounds like it's on point, which is these are defenders that Brian Flores feels are versatile. He likes versatile defenders. He likes showing multiple looks to offenses. These feel like, again, pretty logical uh, pretty logical picks, especially with Flores' influence. Yeah, and, and I think, like, I always, when I'm, when I'm looking in the immediate ap- aftermath of a draft, um, rather than me trying to fake a, a a knowledge about these players and like and 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 a certainty one way or the other whether they're going to work out or not work out I, I i lean more toward the logic of it can you see why they made these picks and for both blackman and ward yeah i see why they make these picks they're at positions of need uh they have some of the physical attributes and traits that Brian Flores is looking for in the aggressive mentality and kind of the way they play the game. They come from big programs, USC and LSU, um, that, you know, look, it, it doesn't guarantee their success, but I like the environments that they're both raised in and the coaching that they've gotten and, and, and the, and the preparation that they've gotten by playing in big games on Saturdays. Uh, to to get them ready uh, for for this challenge, because let's face it, both of these guys are going to come in and have real chances to play big snap counts uh, right away. Um, just just given the dearth of depth at in in the defensive backfield, like if if these guys can play, and maybe even if they can't, if they're going to have to learn on the job a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to get thrown into the deep end and see if they can swim. And so um, when you look at just 
the versatility that Flores wants. I think Jay Ward especially is a guy who can play in different spots. You can move him around. Um, he's he's excelled in several areas, and I think that that will help Brian Flores from giving him. You know, if you have a guy who can play in multiple spots and do it well, they can he can be kind of almost a utility guy. So you lose a slot corner for a little while, you lose an outside corner, you lose you know um, a nickel, whatever it is, and you can you can really plug one guy into that man that's like a it's like one of those swing offensive linemen that can play guard or tackle and how valuable those those guys are and so um yeah i see the logic i see why they went for these guys can i say definitively that they were the right picks or that are going to be great no but i do at least see yes i see okay when i hear the coaches explain what they what they like about these guys that makes sense so i'm excited to see like how they start to fit in when we get into the off-season program and then certainly into training camp later this summer. Fifth round, they take nose tackle Jacqueline Roy from LSU. Logical depth pick, maybe is more than that, but at the very least, you always need defensive line depth. Fifth round, quarterback Jaron Hall from BYU. Scouting reports are not a particularly strong arm, not very big, runs around, makes plays accurate. I uh, have to see if you know his his arm strength will play in the NFL, but he does have some good characteristics. He was very productive in college, although just about everybody's productive at BYU. Seventh round, Dwayne McBride, UAB. This is where I will be a I will get <laughs> I will be out of character. I'm going to be a really provincial uh, gopher homer here. Uh, I would I would have loved to see them take Mo Ibrahim here. Um, yeah. And listen, McBride probably has better measurables. Mo did you know Mo's measurables obviously weren't good. If his measurables were good and he had the career he had at the University of Minnesota, he would have been drafted. He goes undrafted and signs with the Lions. But I would have loved to see Mo give it be been given a shot here. I, I just think there's something special about his savvy, his wiggle, his ability to to get through small holes. I just think, he, to me, he runs the way Emmett Smith ran. Uh, he's probably not the athlete Emmett was, but there was something special about the way he navigated the football field. I would have loved to see him here. I like that comparison, Jim, and not, you know, like, obviously Emmett, and I, I'm always, so I, I grew up, I was a Barry Sanders guy, so that means I had to denigrate Emmett every time I sure. could, but like, but like, and Barry was run- a much better athlete. Yes. And, and, but like the running style of Emmett and Mo is, is very similar straight ahead, find the hole, hit it, go. Um, and, um, and so not going to like completely wow you like with the berries type jukes and, and things like that, but like super productive, super reliable, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, 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 and here, the other thing that I just, I love about Mo is that, man, you look at a guy who had so much adversity and just kept on coming back and coming back and not letting any of that deter him. I think in football in particular, that quality, that substance and fiber, it, it really tells you a lot about the chances of a player having success because you have to grind in this sport like no other. And there's going to be really difficult days and you're going to go through injuries and you're going to hit um, bumps in the road. And it's often the guys who just don't give up that are the ones that put together long careers and, 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 and are really productive. And Mo is one of those guys who just will not give up. Now, if I'm a Vikings and I'm looking at him, um, I would be concerned, frankly, about the tread on the tire. 
and how many carries he had and how many injuries he had. And so um, I would think like, I don't know anything about Dwayne McBride to be quite honest with you, but I would imagine that, yeah, some of the measurables, but also maybe some of the wear and tear isn't quite as much as what Mo went through. And so if there's a tiebreaker, maybe that's what it was. Um, but I, I, I do, I hope Mo gets a real chance in Detroit. Um, I think that he has all of the intangible qualities that you want in a running back and in a player. And it would not surprise me in the least to see him as an undrafted player, make the roster and eventually contribute um, whether it's the lions or whether it's another team that he gets a chance for and put together a, a career um, after everything that he went through at the university of Minnesota. I also think for Mo's sake, uh, being with the Vikings would have been better. They don't have a yes. clear star running back. The Lions spent the 12th pick in the draft on a on a running back, which I think is a yep. mistake. And they also uh, just signed David Montgomery, who's kind of your classic workhorse type back that Mo would want to be anyway. So I think Mo would have fit better here. But whatever, Mo had a great college career. I loved everything about him, uh, his work ethic, his toughness, his running style, his competitiveness. So I really hope he has a nice career. Let's uh, Let's get to the last – uh, thing we'll get to today. We'll be breaking down the roster. We'll pick different positions to talk about. We'll talk about uh, where the Vikings probably look like they stand in the division. I wrote about that recently. But for today, let's just talk about quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaron Hall, uh, at this moment, knowing nothing, but just having fun with the topic, do you think he's more Case Keenum or Kyle Sloter? Mm, well, it, I, I, I think it, it sounds like he's much more Keenum in terms of like, I'm not saying that he's going to eventually start a bunch of games and stuff like that, but just in terms of, like, the qualities that he has as a quarterback. Like, Sloter, I think, kept getting chance after chance because he had this big arm, yep. um, because he was, you know, physical tools that made teams say, gosh, if we could just get this guy to get his head on straight and 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 figure the game out, he, he could really be a player in this league. Um, whereas Keenum got by on guts, and heart and smarts and and anticipation and instincts and intelligence and all of those things. And I think like when you hear people talk about Jaron Hall, it's kind of the similar thing. There was a I know that the Vikings had a uh, I think it was Quasi or, or Kevin O'Connell. Or one of them told the story after picking him that um, they kind of they had him in a room and they went over some of his bad throws or quote, quote unquote plays that didn't work. And one of them, they found out that the receiver actually ran the wrong route. And Jaron Hall was, you know, they asked Jaron Hall about it. And he said, hey, I, I got to figure out a way to make that work. Um, and, and I think that really resonated with the Vikings because he did not point fingers. He did not take the easy way out and say, hey, that wasn't my fault. It was I got to figure out a way that when a receiver doesn't do what he's supposed to do to still make that work. And so he took ownership of that. And so when you hear stories like that and you hear things about his leadership qualities, about how he commanded that offense, how he led that team, um, he definitely skews to me much more toward the Keenum qualities. And and so um, I don't think he's going to come in here and just wow people with you know, throwing, slinging the ball 58 yards down the field, you know, on the run or something like that. But I do think that, uh, over time he will probably, if, if what he did at BYU translates to here, uh, he will be one of those guys that people just kind of get behind naturally that, 
um, that can command a huddle that uh, that 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 kind of deserves respect and 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 gets people to follow him. And so that to me is his path. And is he, you know, is he a career backup? You know, have they found the next Tom Brady? Who knows? But um, but it, it just seems like in reading about him and studying him a little bit, like that's he is definitely more in that Keenum mold of leader of you know that kind of that then then the slaughter style of sling the ball all over the field and and make throws that no one else can make both for better and for worse it's got a final thought from john and myself once again check out talknorth.com tons of hockey content chin music with roy smalley and lavelle neal we're gonna be doing a live show soon about the twins uh we have john malay on preps jeff diamond the former vikings general manager on the vikings obviously and uh, and check it all out at talknorth.com. Of course, we have the John Krasinski show on the Timberwolves and the NBA. Uh, a lot of big hot topics on that team right now. Uh, tons of outdoor content, variety shows, uh, music shows. Check it all out at talknorth.com. And we do appreciate it. Do you have a final thought today, John? Yeah, just like um, now that we're through the draft, um, now that we're through most of free agency. Um, it's going to be fun over the next several weeks as we're kind of in a little bit quieter period of the NFL, you know, off season, um, that just to kind of play with sort of the new additions and see how they kind of stack up and, and fit in with the roster, uh, with the depth chart. Uh, there is a lot, I feel like we have a lot better feel for what this roster is going to look like going into training camp. And I think for a lot of this off season, there's been some real question marks about what are the Vikings going to do? How aggressive are they going to be in remaking things? Um, you know, who's going to stay, who's going to go all of that stuff. And, and now a lot of that has been uh, uh, addressed. I think still, you know, it'll be interesting with Dalvin cook. It'll be interesting. There's still a few questions out there lingering, but now we can kind of start to put the pieces together on the board and maybe have some fun proje projecting, you know, what depth charts look like. And, and, um, and I agree with you, Jim, that, you know, you wrote, I think last week that this division is theirs for the taking essentially. Now that Aaron Rodgers is out, um, the Packers not giving Jordan love the fifth year option and instead like negotiating some sort of, you know, discount, uh, you know, ex mini extension says a little bit and who knows the lines are the lines. We'll see what happens. But, uh, but they are in position if some of these pieces come together to still be really, really competitive and a real factor there. And so it'll be fun over the next several weeks and months ahead to really just kind of dive in and, and, and try and examine how this all is, how, how this puzzle is, is coming together. And remember, there is no offseason in the NFL. They, the league is determined to make news. They will continue to do so, and we'll be here to analyze it. So thanks again to Brandon. Thanks to you for listening. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.